right. Good morning, everybody. All right, so welcome to Maple Street Worship Center. Go greet each other. I think a lot of you are already saying hi. That's why we're starting so time we are. But anyway, go say hi to each other. Just uh, welcome, greet, holy kisses and hugs and all that stuff. Just keep it appropriate. Logan, you can go to blank in between songs. On the top right, it says blank. Death in its place 
His life is flowing through my veins. His life is flowing through my veins. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Oh, I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in you. 
Condemnation go. I believe in you. 
You're the God of miracles. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Let's sing this corporately with we. We believe in you. We believe in you. You're the God of miracles. We believe in you. We believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Anybody that has a, a, a specific word or picture coming to mind or a scripture? Just want to make sure that you know this is uh, we, we, we invite that. So Holy Spirit, we would ask that you would work through the gifts that you give corporately. Father God, we declare restored hope in this place this morning. We stand with the God of miracles. We stand with the King of kings. Everything you say about us, God, is true. Jesus, you said we're friends, we're brothers and sisters. No matter what the evidence looks like around us, Lord, we declare that we stand in, in you. We claim your righteousness this morning our right place with you, Father. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. Deliverance from my enemies, 
Till all my fears are gone. Let's sing that again. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies. Till all my fears are gone everyone I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God mother's womb you have chosen me love has called my name and I've been born again to your family your blood flows through my veins and I'm no longer a slave child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God
I'm no longer, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. One more time. I'm no longer a slave to fear. No, I'm not. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Because I am a child of God. Because I am a child of God. Yes, I am a child of
So Todd White, this guy that when he got saved, is uh, what's that guy's name again? Dan. Dan Molnar. So well, it sounds like you don't want your life, so why don't you give it to somebody who does? Give it to Jesus. So what a trade. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. Give her mercy, you're my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but see. Yes, and amen. 
beautiful Savior you have brought me You pulled me from the ashes You have broken every curse Blessed Redeemer you have set this captive songs for about a month so it's about so this last song is actually the title is get your hopes up it's we stand in victory and it isn't uh carol had a song that i wanted to do it's a i left my hands to believe again and there's seasons of that definitely but we need to move into the season of we're in the victory we believe 
he's true. His promises are yes and amen. So get your hopes up for where we're going. I see the sun waking up the morning, reviving dreams. I feel the wind on my back with promise, reminding me. And there's a garment of praise for heaviness. There's a new song burning inside my chest. I'm living in the goodness that he brings. So get your hopes up, lift your head up, let your faith arise. Get your hopes up, my God is for us, he's brought us back to life. again. I see the sun waking up the morning, reviving dreams. I feel the wind on my back with promise, reminding me. And there's a coming of praise for heaviness. There's a new song burning inside my chest. Living in the goodness that He brings. Get your hopes up, lift your head up, let your faith arise. Get your hopes up, our God is for us, He's brought us back to life. Get your hopes up, lift your head up. Let your faith arise. Get your hopes up. Our God is for us. He's brought us back to life. Christ be for me. Christ behind me. I am firmly held. again. Christ before me, Christ behind me, I am firmly held. In His mercy, never ending, I'll remind Faith arise. 
Get your hopes up. Our God is for us. He's brought us back to life. Get your hopes up. Lift your head up. Let your faith arise. Get your hopes up. Our God is for us. He's brought us back to life. He's brought us back to life. I think that we need to have a yell of victory. Chrissy saying a yell of victory. Yeah, big loud yell of victory. Woo! Yeah. Praise you, Jesus. Grab a seat if you want. good amen it's good very good stuff praise God just a few announcements um, and uh, yeah just a few announcements you'll notice um, of course uh, coming up on the bulletin board a uh, number of a uh, couple of th- different things coming up in November just to highlight that of course the butterfly effect that's a, a youth emotional health workshop the uh, pastor over at this uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church. He's, uh, he's very much involved in mental health, and uh, he brought that to our ministerial, and uh, I think it's going to be a very positive thing in the community. I think there's a lot of people that are struggling with different, uh, especially young people struggling with uh, their mental health, their well-being, and uh, so if you can't make it to that, or if that's something that, uh, you know, there's a young person you want to encourage, but if you can't make it to that, please pray about that, because I believe that the Lord is going to use that. Again, November the 5th, Butterfly Effect, and it's a Youth Emotional Health Workshop. Also, pierogies and jam coming up. That's at the Lutheran Church, 6.30 on uh, November the 18th, and that's going to be a gospel uh, music night. I'm sure you're familiar with uh, pierogies and jam. Got a chance to meet Don and and understand what he meant by pierogies and jam. Because when I heard of pierogies and jam at the ministerial, I actually thought of pierogies and jam. And I was kind of wondering how that fit together, but I'm thinking, well, hey, you can try anything, right? Try anything once, pierogies and jam, because I like strawberry jam, so maybe they had strawberry jam with the pierogies, but that's not what it was. It's a gospel music night. Who knew? Who knew? Well, I'm sure you guys knew. Of course, uh, after our our service this morning, we're just going to be having a birthday celebration as well, and uh, for all those who celebrate their birthdays this month, and I know there's a a few that have um, done so. I want to bring your attention to a ministry opportunity that's coming up, um, and providing that we are able to do this. Um, uh, one of the faculty members, uh, Brad Fawcett from Vanguard, contacted me, and uh, one of the things that they do in their uh, 
are trying to do in their school of, of pastoral leadership is to get some of the students who are coming to Vanguard, of course, Vanguard's in Edmonton, and uh, they want to get them some exposure to uh, churches in uh, smaller towns and, and, um, and uh, different uh, rural settings. And so uh, if we are able to, we would, uh, or they would request that we would be able to uh, uh, host a couple of students for a week. That would be from February the 12th, um, which would be on a Monday. Monday they'd be doing a traveling day, so they would need a place to stay Monday night. And then uh, stay through till uh, Sunday. And, of course, they'd be involved in the following Sunday service. So just to give them some uh, chance to get around town and, and uh, tour things around and get to meet some people and get to know how things would function in a, in a smaller uh, church, just to give them exposure. So if anyone, if the Lord is speaking to you about that, that you might have room, uh, especially if you're close in town here, uh, because they would be hanging around here most of the time. Um, so if, uh, if you feel the Lord is speaking to you about that, again, that's uh, February the 12th or the 18th, lots of advance notice. But we would like the college to know uh, as soon as we could on what we would be able to do. So if that's something that interests you, please uh, let me know, and um, we'll see if we can't uh, make arrangements on that. And uh, Ed has a couple of things. One is the, on the first aid, and, uh, of course, uh, I know he's been working on behind the scenes and some of the family fun night stuff, so maybe you can give us a little update on that as well. Well, actually, <laughs> now that I got the mic, I just, and I, I know the pastor will indulge me. I'm not a very artistic fella. I, I, you know, I can draw a stickman just basically not very good, but I can appreciate art. And I'm blown away every time I sit here and I look at this presentation here that Sandy put together. It just really blesses me so much. And I just want to tell you, Sandy, thank you so much that you do those kinds of things for your family up here in the front of the church. It's beautiful. It's, I know people appreciate it. I certainly do. Do we appreciate it? Doesn't it set the mood for harvest time? It certainly does. Wasn't expecting to do that, but I, um, I want to talk about the first day just really quickly. Yesterday we had a wonderful time here. We had John Robinson. Are you here? He said he might come here today. He presented the, the first aid course, and we had a, a really good time. John is very knowledgeable. He's worked in that industry. He's been a, an EMS. Uh, he's worked in that industry for a lot of years. He's very knowledgeable in that field. But what I liked about John is the, just the relaxed atmosphere that we had yesterday. We could interact and talk. It was a really relaxed, and he's just really great. But um, next Saturday... They're going to be doing CPR for infants and children. So I just want to encourage those parents that have uh, young children or babies to come out because it's, it's, it's a very relaxing. It's not you're going to sit there and you're going to be quizzed and everything else. Just come out and uh, he'll show us and run us through some practicalities of uh, CPR and, and breathing restoration for, for young children and adults. And you know what, young parents, it's not just for you. Uh, grandparents? You have grandchildren, you should come too, so you can learn. If you ever have to be able to uh, or need to assist in that way, you'll have the knowledge and the practical hands-on training. And you don't probably even have to stay for the four hours. Just come to do and see that and, and engage in that. Amen?
So I hope, I hope you just take that to heart and, and show up next Saturday. It's really important, I think. The other thing real quickly was, um, was the family fun night where, where it's a go for Tuesday night, I believe it is. I looked at the weather. It's going to be really miserable out there Tuesday. We're talking cold and snowing and rain and stuff. So we're going to have a family fun night here. The hot dogs will be on. Uh, Cheryl and I will be here earlier to open the church. It'll, the church will be open here at 4.30, and we'll have hot dogs and pie and goodies and stuff at 5 and continue on. Some of you may not be here at 5 because you work. If you come later, come later. We'll, we'll have stuff for you here. And everybody will have goodie bags. And we'll also watch a movie and we can have coffee and, and we can interact with uh, games. Come on out and enjoy, enjoy that night tonight with your family. Amen. Thanks, Ed. So there was a question about costumes. Can we wear a costume? Can, can, can kids come in and, and, and wear a costume of some sort? Like a Superman or superheroes is, is it? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about We're going to turn to uh, our giving this morning. So if you have your offering and announcement, or an offering and announcements, offering and tithes, tithes and offerings. Uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to worship the Lord in that way. And uh, again, just a reminder that, uh, you know, as I was looking over some uh, old, really old Pentecostal literature, one of the things, again, that they had noted was the fact that when we give of our tithe and our offering, just to let you know this morning before we do this, that a portion of our giving goes to, to support our district office. And uh, it supports the, the, min, the ministries in the district, and it supports the, the mission uh, endeavors. And, of course, also that from our district goes to uh, national uh, initiatives. And so when we give to our local, through the, our local church, I just want to let you know that when we give through our local church, uh, we not only touch our district, not only do we touch the nation, but we also touch internationally. And so there is, a, there is just a, a method that we, that we have here that just helps us to, to be able to put those funds through. And so as we give through our local church, as we tithe and we give our offerings, uh, we just don't touch uh, our community locally. We, we touch, in fact, we, we touch around the world. And uh, the PAOC, one of, one of many evangelical denominations in Canada, but we're, we are doing a good work and we're doing it together. Amen? So we're, we're doing it in cooperation, in our cooperative fellowship. So this morning, as we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, and calls, promotions, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me so I may have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Bless you as you give this morning. I'm going to try this for the first time. My, my, um, I have a program on my phone that is able to link me to the presentation. 
I'm just going to test that and see if that will work. There it is. There it is. So this morning, I just want us to turn to, if you have your Bible, your leather-bound Bible. No, that's, there we go. It's time to turn the key. Matthew 18. Matthew 18, and we're going to turn there, and we're just going to stick a finger in, the, in, the, uh, in that text. It was a story of a guy who had gotten bitten by a dog, and uh, he found out later on that he had rabies. And so, of course, he rushed to the hospital, and the tests revealed that he definitely had it. He had rabies, and... Uh, the problem was, at the time, medical science wasn't advanced enough for him to have a solution to his problem. So the doctor had to come in and tell him the very, very bad news that it was incurable, it was terminal, and he was, he was sure to die. So he said, you know, sir, all we can really do is make you feel comfortable. We can't give you any false hope here, so there's really nothing you, we can do. So the best thing that you can do while we're making you comfortable is to put all of your affairs in order. So this guy, he's, he's in shock at the news. Doctor's just giving him. But he finally musters up enough strength that he gets himself a pen and he gets some paper and he starts to begin to write very vigorously. So about an hour later... The, uh, the man is still writing, and so uh, the doctor comes in, and he says, I'm really glad to see you working on your will. He said, this ain't no will, doc. He said, this is a list of people I'm going to bite. Now, with... <laughs> um, now, maybe we won't lift our hands when this question comes out, but... Have you ever felt like there's some people you want to bite? Now, don't lift your hand. You don't have to do that. I'm sure there's been times when we all, we've all had experiences where people have done some things. They've said some things. You know, they've hurt us. They've offended us. And it's not easy, is it? Let's be honest for a moment. It's not easy when someone, you know, it's, it's, it's an easy thing when, when everything's going well and everyone's smiling and everyone's having a good time. And, uh, but I've discovered something, and that is this, is that when you, the closer you get to people, the more vulnerable you become. And the more vulnerable you become, the more risk you're taking. And when you open yourself up to relationships. There's times when things are said and things are done. Things are mishandled. Things are misunderstood. But the truth is, is that we will, given enough time, we, we are going to find ourselves in a position where we've been hurt and we've been offended. And this morning, what I want to be able to do is, is to go into Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Because Matthew 18, uh, in the verses we're going to look at, Jesus lays out some very important truths when it comes to this topic of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Because, folks, if we don't deal with forgiveness, 
If we don't deal with forgiveness, we can end up like the man writing that list. We can end up having a number of people who have wronged us, who've hurt us. You know, they've misjudged us, they've mistreated us. And what happens to us is that most often we end up becoming bitter. And it's very, very uh, counterproductive in our walk with God when we end up having bitterness taking root in our heart. Because there's times when that bitterness will become so strong and so deeply entrenched in our lives that it can even begin to control us and turn us into people who offend and hurt others. I've heard it said that, that bullies bully, that hurt people hurt people. And so that is not what we want to become. We don't want to become that kind of person at all. We don't want to have an unforgiving spirit where we end up having resentment, bitterness, becoming angry with our very best friends. C.S. Lewis said that, he said that forgiveness is a beautiful word until you have something to forgive. And the reason is simple. It's because forgiveness is not easy. It's not easy. And usually we end up trying to hold on to the offense when we suffer something that's wrong when we've been wrong, when there's been an injustice. And the truth is, we all somehow want the other party to feel what it was like for us to experience the pain that they inflicted on us. And so this morning, I want us to look in a Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 down through to verse 35. It says, then Peter came to Jesus. And we're going to backtrack just a little bit. But it says here, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times seven or 70 times. In verse 22, Jesus answered him, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts. with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And it says in verse 25, I might be switching uh, versions here, but since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. And the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay everything, or I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he grabbed him, and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees, and he begged him. And he said, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went to their told their master everything that had happened. And when the master called the servant in, 
you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he, could, she, he should pay back all that he owed. And in verse 35, this should make us sit up and really listen. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. And so, Lord, this morning we come because we have been talking a lot about togetherness. We've been talking about the priorities of a spirit-filled church. And, Lord, this morning we thank you for the fact that you are doing amazing things. You're doing things when it comes to uh, the spiritual gifts, the things of words of prophecy and wisdom and revelation. You're doing things, God. You're, we're hearing reports of people being physically healed. And so, Lord, we, we come this morning realizing that um, we represent you and we represent the kingdom. And you desire, Father, that we would follow your footsteps. That we would recognize, Lord, that you are a God of grace. You're a God of mercy. You're a God of forgiveness. You're a God of reconciliation. And, Lord, that is what you want us to be. That's what you want us to imitate. You want us to become like you. And, Lord, we recognize that when we put our lives against yours, your example, that we know that there's times when there are gaps. In these gaps, we ask, Lord, you'll help us to close by the power of your Spirit at work in us. And in this body of believers today, that, Lord, you'll help us to deal appropriately with these things. May we be people of mercy. May we be people of of forgiveness and grace as you have shown to us. May we show it as well to others. In Jesus' name we ask. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You know, prior to Jesus talking about that particular uh, parable of the unmerciful servant, we find that when he opens up in chapter 18, he's really teaching on the subject of relationships. That's the broader scope here, relationships. Verses 1 to 4, he talks about the need to be childlike, to have humility. He talks about um, consequences of wrong choices uh, in life. And in this, bringing it close to, the, to chapter tw- or, excuse me, verse uh, 21 here, we find that the, the context, the, the reason why uh, Peter, as you'll notice in verse 21, it says, then Peter came to Jesus. The reason why Peter came to Jesus and began to ask this question is really, if you go back to verse 15. If you go back to verse 15, because Jesus begins to, to say that if your brother or sister sins, this isn't people on the outside, this is people on the inside. If your brother or your sister in the Lord sins, if they do something to offend you, here's what it says, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. He doesn't say that you should go to your friend and get on Facebook or, or get on the phone or, or go to the prayer meeting and become more shared than it is prayer. And to tell, isn't that something what so-and-so did to me? Isn't it awful? And then go on and on and on about the offense. 
No, that's not what Jesus is recommending to do here. He's saying that if someone, if, if a brother or sister in the Lord has sinned against you, that you are to go to them. If they've offended you, you go to them. You make the first step. Because remember, none of us are perfect. Amen? He says, just between the two, if they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they, are not, if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may, may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. But why, why would he probably go to that extent? Because, folks, listen, you have to understand that the church is an embassy of the kingdom of God. We represent the kingdom here on planet Earth. I'm not sure if you recognize that, but that is what we are to do. We are to represent the king, and we represent the kingdom. We're not to live like the pagans or the tax collectors, so to speak. We are to live by a different morality and different ethics because we're, we are people who are following Jesus, amen? And so the way we deal with these things, should be entirely, in fact, it should be a model to those who are outside on how we deal with these things. But how many know that there will be churches that will split over the color of the carpet? People will get upset and stomp out and huff and puff because you switched from pews to chairs. When really, in the matter of eternity, that stuff doesn't matter. Small fries. Small fries. What's most important is the relationships that we have with one another. It's whether we love one another. It's whether we're patient with one another. Long-suffering. Yes, long-suffering. You will have to suffer, and you may have to suffer long. You will have to put up with immaturity. You'll have to put up with attitudes that may not be godly. Yes, that we are called to do that, and it's not always easy. But it's also, uh, when, when we do these things, we are representing the kingdom of God and how we are to function in that way. And so really the context here is that Peter is coming, or that Jesus is talking about relationships within the body of Christ. And so now laying that bit of a foundation, Peter then comes up to Jesus. And so he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Now this is a really great question because the rabbis teach that you would forgive three times. And so Peter, probably thinking that he's going to get some real great brownie points here with Jesus, he takes the three, he doubles it, and he adds one more. I mean, obviously, number of perfection. Now, I'm not into numerology like some, but seven's a pretty good number, right? It's double the three plus one more for good measure. Certainly, Jesus is going to give me some brownie points for this. Up to seven times? What's the limit? What's the limit? That's really what Peter's asking. What is the limit of forgiveness? Before we move into that for a minute, we need to remember that Jesus was talking about a brother sinning. He's talking about his relationships. And what is his responsibility here? So what is, for, what is not forgiveness? Just want to run a couple, few things down here. What is not, it's not excusing people. It's not excusing people. We need to, how many understand that, we, we, that, that love is not permissiveness? 
How many know that there's something called accountability? Amen? There's something called accountability. I just want you to let you know that in the context of family, as parents, we have to discipline our children. And sometimes it hurts us more than it hurts them. You've probably heard that before, right? But there are boundaries and there are rules and there are fences that we establish. And the reason why we do that is not because we hate our children. It's because we love our children. But one of the things that's very weak today in the church is church discipline. Church discipline. We don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to get anybody upset. But this is what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about that, listen, the, the, the reason why, if it doesn't get resolved, if it gets out of control, is, is because we represent Jesus and the kingdom of God. This is a high, high calling. And so therefore, when it comes to, to someone doing something that's wrong, we know is wrong, we don't excuse what they've done. It needs to be corrected. And then when it's corrected, we need to forgive Forgive, forgiveness is not forgetting. When God forgets our sins, do you know that God is omniscient this morning? Did you know that he knows everything? Do you think that God ever forgets one thing? I forget a lot of things. I forget where my wallet is, my keys. I would forget my head if my wife wasn't there to make sure I could put it on in the morning. It's true. 20 years of remembering. Do you think that God forgets what you've done? Or does he choose not to remember it against you? There's a difference, isn't it? We can remember what people have done. The question is, are we going to pull it out and be like the accuser of the brother? And Look what you did to me 25 years ago. Right? And how many know that there's churches today where there are people in them and so-and-so has still never gotten over what happened four years ago? And they're sitting on the other side of the room. And they won't go near the other person. And then they expect that when they come to gather together in the church and they worship and praise God, that God's Spirit is going to be, is going to be welcome and God's Spirit is going to be... I mean, God is going to be happy... That his children can't get along when they have been shown grace and mercy themselves. I remember hearing some stories about annual meetings. Remember I was in Windsor and I was talking to some guys and they were, one guy was telling me all the horror stories. All the horror stories about annual meetings. How guys would, you know, get so angry and they would roll up their sleeves. There was fist fights with the deacons. I've seen some ugly shadows of the parsonage, by the way, I have. I remember being 19 years of age and sitting on the board and thinking, man, I can't wait to get off of this, being a junior board member after hearing all the horror stories in the church. And I'm thinking, is this what the church is meant to be? The people can't love one another and get along with one another? Is this the way it's supposed to be? And, I, and I'm convinced that it's not. I'm convinced that it's not. No, we may not, we, we don't forget, but it's, it comes down that we don't hold and God, thank God, he doesn't hold our offenses, which are many. A few Sundays ago when we had some young people here, I talked about the old account was large and growing every day. Aren't you glad this morning Jesus doesn't haul out every now and again the big old account 
that you had and say, remember when? Remember when you sowed your wild oats? No. God chooses not to remember them against us. Forgiveness is not ignoring, it's not avoiding, it's not being indifferent to the people who may hurt us. But instead, instead we are to confront with the idea that we want to reconcile. So forgiveness deals with sins. Sins sins at times that are inexcusable, they are unforgettable, they're unacceptable. It means that we, but, here's the thing, it means that we take out the big eraser. If all the sins someone committed against us was written on a chalkboard, it means that we take the eraser and it means that we swipe it across that board and we just make it nice and clean like it never happened. That's what forgiveness is. It means that there's no desire for getting even. Forgiveness is granted, it's not earned. You can't work your way into forgiveness. So what does the Lord say to Peter? He says, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now what does that really mean? Does it mean that you are to forgive somebody just 490 times in the day and on the 491st time you've got them? No. What it really is, is Jesus is using a Jewish a Jewish form of, of speech here. And that he's saying is this, never, ever hold a grudge. Never hold a grudge. Now, can I be honest this morning and tell you that if I yield to the sinful nature, I'll hold a grudge. Can I be honest to say that? I'm just going to, you know, put a little transparency, a little x-ray. That if I yield to the flesh, I've had a difficulty with grudges. My mother always said, still waters run deep. My, my oldest brother, he, he's a little different than I am. He'll be quick to get angry, quick to forgive. But myself and my other brother, we're wired differently. And I'll be honest with you, I've held grudges and it wasn't a good thing. It wasn't a good thing. I remember when we were in Sussex one time and the youth pastor had offended me and I was really upset about that. And he was really upset with me. And every time I heard his name, it made me angry. Anybody ever experienced that before? You can lift your hand. It's, it's okay. It's a safe place. This family's for Someone, you, 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 you picture their face, and you just want to bless them with a dirt between the eyes. Right? You want to bless them with brass knuckles in the jaw. Right? Because you're really upset. Let's be honest. It's, it's, it's human. We're human, right? We get hurt. These things happen. And I remember one time we, we, we thought, or at least I thought that we had ironed out our differences. But it wasn't true. I hadn't really forgiven him. He hadn't forgiven me. But I remember we were at a district conference one time. And uh, he was on one side of the auditorium and I was on the other side. And we both got up. must have been God's providence to make this happen. 
But as he got up to go to the punch bowl at one end, I was going toward the punch bowl. And wouldn't you know, we met at the punch bowl at exactly the same time. And I didn't want to punch him at the punch bowl. But instead, we met at the punch bowl. And I can just tell you that the Holy Spirit obviously had prepared our hearts to deal with the matter right at the moment. And I, can I just tell you this morning that when I experienced really forgiving this guy and him forgiving me, it was freedom. It was freedom. It was freedom. The first thing I want to bring out this morning is this. And this is going to move into this. Is that, why are we to forgive? Why are we to forgive? Because God is a merciful God. And we are to imitate Him. That's as simple as it gets. And our God is a God of limitless forgiveness. How many are glad that that's true today? So Peter, to get the point, or Jesus, excuse me, to get the point across to Peter, he tells him a parable. So it's a story here. Jesus, the master storyteller, he weaves the story of a great king, a leader of an empire, multitude of ministers and bureaucrats accountable to him, and the men, and the men are given the responsibility to administrate his realm. And one of the servants has been caught, caught with his hand in the cookie jar, so to speak, Stealing from the king's treasury. So how much does he owe? 10,000. 10,000 talents. Get the idea? This is quite a lot of money. Quite a lot of money. From what I was gathering, that the idea here is that if you owed a king and you owed a talent, talent was a weight of money equal to about 6,000 denarii, 6,000 days wages. A talent was worth 20 years wages. Multiply that by 10,000, and he owed the master 200,000 years of, of labor. So by that standard, if he made 40 grand a year, and we'll just use that as a, as, a, as a conservative measure, that he would have owed him at least $8 billion. Who's got $8 billion in the back of your pocket? Could you, could you see me after the service if you do? We have some needs around here that could, yeah. Eight or $10 billion. So would everybody agree that that's a lot of money? can't even imagine having that much money. His hand in the cookie jar. Wow. So the day of accounting comes and the servant is unable to, well no wonder you'd be unable to pay back what you owe. So here's the issue here. that This servant is not only in debt, an astronomical amount of money to the king. Who, by the way, if you're the king, you are in charge of the whole kingdom. And what you decree goes. Amen? You have the power to do whatever you want. And so this man is brought. And, and, and here's what happens. This, this guy is, is not only hopelessly in debt. He is absolutely bankrupt. He is criminal. He's a thief. He's a lawbreaker. And now it brings in his family. He and his family now are in slavery. And I believe that with that picture that Jesus is giving us a glimpse here. And I know you can see this yourself. Because how many understand that's where we were? 
That's where we were one day. Every single one of us had sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Every single one of us is sheep who has gone astray. Not one of us righteous, the Bible says. No, not one. We were all in that same... If you read the book of Romans and you read the first three chapters, you'll discover whether you're Gentile or Jew, you're all rowing in the same boat and it's not a good boat to be in. Because there's no excuses. And so here we are indebted to to God for our sin, just like this servant here in this picture. And what we deserve is to be locked in prison and tortured for the debt because we have offended a holy God. We need to remember, friends, that our God is a holy God. He's, he is separate from the creation. He is holy. He is righteous. He is good. He is just. He's all those. And we can talk about all the attributes of God. But we, but we one time, were in a position where our sin our account that was growing large every day had offended a holy God. In fact, the Bible tells us that the wrath of God was turned toward us. The wrath of God. We don't like to hear about that a whole lot today in church, but that's truth. That's biblical truth. The wrath of God. That's bad news. That's bad news. We were in debt to God, bankrupt, broken the laws of God, in danger of punishment of hellfire. But here's what happens, Jesus says to this poor guy. He fell on his knees, and he begged him. He said, be patient with me. I will. This is a heart that is sorry. This is a heart that's in remorse. This is a heart of repentance. So this is, he's desperate. Because it would take 2,858 lifetimes to pay back what he owed. That's a lot of lifetimes. Amen? I did the math on that, but that's pretty close. They told me never to be an accountant, but that's, that's, that gives you a rough idea. So what, here's what this king does. This king, he's merciful. This king, picture of God, what does he do? He says that he took pity on him and he canceled the debt. Wow. If you ever sang this song, we used to sing this back east. Simple little chorus, paid in full. By the blood of the Lamb. Free from sin. Free to live, now I am. And it reads on the page where my sins were written down. Paid in full. By the blood of the Lamb. And that's what this, that's what this king did. He cancels the debt. And this man is free. That, folks, is a picture of the mercy and the grace of God. No wonder Luther, as he read the book of Romans, realized that you can't get free by giving indulgences to the church. You just got to stick in something about the Reformation. It is like 500 years anniversary of the Reformation. Just got to get that in there. Saved by faith through grace, through Christ alone. Amen? That's the Protestant Reformation. Picture of grace, the mercy of God, compassion of the King. And so Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 8, For it is by grace that you're saved through faith, not through works, not through church attendance, not by being baptized when you're a baby, not by giving indulgences to pad the church's treasury, because that's what they were doing in Germany at that time. 
And in 1517, Luther nails his 95 theses to the castle door of Wittenberg, and it just erupts and it just changes the world. Praise God that it happened. Praise God that it happened because the truth that was so shrouded for so long that it's by grace that you're saved through your faith in Jesus, your trust in Him, His mercy, His goodness, His compassion, His desire to reconcile to us. And so here it is, you get the release of the debt of sin. Don't have to pay one red copper. And the debt now that we owed has now been reversed. It's been turned into a gift. And that's what Jesus has done for us. He paid a debt. You probably heard this song. He paid a debt he didn't owe. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace all day long. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Forgiveness. Some people spell grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. Number two, forgiveness. Why forgive? Because it brings you freedom. I mentioned that earlier. I mentioned it earlier as an example in my own life. It brings freedom. But here's the interesting thing. How does this free and forgiven man then act towards someone who is in debt to him? Now he's in that position. He has an opportunity. So he continues the story. And so the next thing you know, you've got this guy who's been free. He's experienced the, the, the release of his debt. He's alive. He's not in debtor's prison. He's not being tortured. And he meets a fellow servant who owes him some money. And in this case, it's a hundred denarii, or about 13, 14,000 bucks or so. How many would agree that thir- if somebody owed you 13, 14,000, that it's, it's a good chunk of change? Anybody agree with that? Who could use 13 or 14,000 in your, in your savings account right now? See a number of hands going up. Good. Okay. So this is not a small debt. This is not like your friend owed you 20 bucks because you treated them at such and such a place. This is a considerable amount of money. But here's what's interesting. It's nothing in comparison to what he's been forgiven. This isn't billions of dollars. This is a few thousand dollars. Nonetheless, here's what happens. He doesn't really need the money because he doesn't have a debt that he owes. He's been forgiven. But here's what he does to the person who owes him something. Instead of being merciful and compassionate and realizing, hey, the king has forgiven me of so much, I can now forgive you. No, what he does is he goes to him and he demands that he pays him back his debt. His fellow servant fell to his knees. This is what the debtor does. After he says, pay me what you owe me, the the, the fellow servant falls to his knees. He begs him. He says, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. Exactly the same response. So the exact same thing to the king. But here's the thing. Here's the interesting thing, is that the first servant had every legal right to demand the repayment and inflict judgment on the debtor, but he has now, he has no moral right. You catch that? He has a legal right, but he doesn't have a moral right. But he doesn't act on his moral right, he acts on his legal right. And we know what happens. as we progress in the story here. Because we come to another section here where Jesus tells us that that is not the way that we are to respond. 
Look at verse Look at Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, if you, if you have your Bible. For if you forgive men, listen, this is how it goes. If, if, for if. Can everybody say the word if? For if. If means this is conditional. If means that you have a part to play. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, and these are words in red, by the way. This is what Jesus, if, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sin. Mark eleven twenty five. and when you stand praying, this is in worship. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Can I just stop there just for a moment? How many times have we ever came to church and we are offering our gift, our sacrifice of praise and worship to God, but we have not reconciled with our brother or sister? There is a recommendation about leaving our gift and going and making things right and then bringing your gift. But we don't pay attention to that sometimes. The simple point is... We should forgive simply because if you want to be forgiven, we must forgive others. Jesus said that. That's very, very important. But this is what the unmerciful servant failed to do. He didn't know that he didn't get this. Because in verse 30 it says, But he refused and said, He went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Pretty hard job to pay a debt back when you're in prison. Doesn't sound like you're getting out. In verse 31, when the other servants saw, this is in chapter 18, saw what happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and they told their master everything that had happened. So it's very important we forgive, because if you don't give, you don't get. If you don't give, you don't get. The fourth thing, this is my last point this morning, is that unforgiveness is a prison. Unforgiveness is a prison. Verse 32, then the master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. He said, I cancel all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Well, the answer really is yes. Verse 34, in anger, the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. I don't know about you this morning, but if we have ever dealt with an unforgiving spirit, I want you to know that unforgiving spirit in itself is a form of torture. I heard a story one time of a Jewish lady, and she had witnessed, this was in, this was in during World War II, and this lady, this Jewish lady had witnessed the Nazis break into her house when she was just a little girl. And right before her eyes... They gunned down her parents. She was taken to a concentration camp. And of course there she was expected to die. Now fortunately she survived. She escaped the hands of the Nazi army. But like the guy who with rabies had a, was making his list, she kept a list of the names of the Nazi soldiers that she could get who had came into her home and killed her parents. And she kept a journal of 
of what she vividly had experienced. So this Jewish girl with this horrible trauma, she later became a Christian. And at one point, the Holy Spirit began to deal with her heart about the records that she had kept against the Nazis. And so she began to have this internal struggle. Well, how could God, the Holy Spirit, expect me to deal with such a thing? So here she is, she's struggling, and she holds on to the record. And the reason why she holds on to the record, like anyone else, is because I want justice. I want them to get what they deserve. And so one day she's hoping that by keeping this record, that reckoning day will come for these soldiers. That they will get what they deserve. So here she was, holding on to the bitterness, holding on to the pain, but the Spirit of God was telling her something different. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of the pain. Get rid of the records. Release those men. Forgive them. And so one night, she made a choice. One night, she got a fire going in the fireplace, and she took the records that she had, the names of the men who had destroyed her family, who took away her childhood, who caused years of pain, and she threw the list into the fire, and she allowed the fire to consume them. And for the first time in years, she was free. She was free. But guess what? When she did that, when she released that paper into the fire, and those names were gone, there's nothing that she could do to get an apology. There's nothing that she could do to get justice. There was no way she could get revenge for her parents. But what was creating the anger and the bitterness on the inside? The paper at one point had put her into a prison. A prison of unforgiveness. And the only way that she could be free was to let it go. And it's the same thing with you and I this morning. When we hold on to the past, when we hold on to the hurts, when we play them over and over and over on the silver screen of our mind, with vivid detail, when we chew on them, when we maul them over and over, all it does is it just stirs up more resentment, stirs up more bitterness, it stirs up more pain, and it places us into a spiritual bondage because those people who have hurt us are now living rent-free in our minds and in our hearts. It provides us with a permanent prison. Jesus said in verse 37 that the forgiven servant is now called a wicked servant. He's wicked because he was void of compassion. He was void of mercy that he was shown by the master. And now the master, angry with him, has turned him over to the jailers. And look at verse 35, that this is how a heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. I'm going to call the worship team to come back this morning. We could stand today together.
I'm going to close with this. Someone said one time that holding on to an offense against someone is like being a jailer. While holding the offending party in jail, you're keeping them in there, but you have alone have the key to let them out. But you won't do it because of what they've done to you. But the problem is, since you're the jailer, you're stuck at the jailhouse. And the only way that you can get free is you need to take the key and you need to put the key in the door and you need to turn the key and you need to let them go. Can I make a suggestion this morning that maybe there's some folks here this morning and you know exactly what I'm talking about. There have been, because folks, can, can I just say that the longer a church exists, the more opportunity there is for things to have happened. Good things to have happened, bad things to have happened. Good experiences and bad experiences. Victories, defeats, healthy relationships, relationships that aren't so well, offenses and hurts that can come along, misunderstandings. And some of us here this morning, you, you may have, as I was speaking this, maybe the Holy Spirit was bringing some things to your mind. And you know when he does that, I always find that it's like, Holy Spirit, please don't do that because I just don't know if I'm ready to deal with this right now. I don't know if it's within me to, to handle this right now. And so I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage myself. That if there's someone or some people or situations that you have, has happened to you, and it has caused pain, it's caused you to be upset, it, it's, it's produced bitterness in your life, and maybe you sense that, I just don't know if I can let this go. Can I encourage you this morning that the only way that you're going to experience the freedom that God wants for you is that you have to turn the key. You have to turn the key. It's time. I want to encourage you. It's time to turn the key of the prison door. It's time to open it up and it's time to let, the, it's time to let it go. It's time to let them walk out. It's because, folks, Jesus has forgiven you of so much. And his forgiveness and his grace, his compassion, his mercy has allowed you to walk out of your own debtor's prison. He took the key. He took the blood that he shed on the cross. He canceled our debt that was growing it was large, it was long, it was something, it was, it was not, it was ugly stuff. And he let us go so that we could be free in him. And to be like Jesus means that we pull out our own key, that we decide no longer am I going to guard the jail cell. But I'm going to take the key 
that I've been holding on so tightly and I'm going to finally put it in the door. I'm going to turn it. I'm going to open the door and I'm going to let them go. And in so doing, I can then step out of the jailhouse myself and I can walk in the freedom that Christ desires for me. Because folks, this is the gospel in action. The gospel in action is good news that we can be reconciled to God. And because of the reconcil- because of that vertical relationship, that reconciliation that we have with him, he gives us the strength and the ability that we can be reconciled one to another. We're children of God now. Amen. He's not called us to walk or to, to be in a prison. He's not called us to be bound. He's not caused, he's not, he doesn't want us to be subject to a yoke of slavery. Amen? He wants us to be free, but sometimes to be free, you have to let others go free. And so Holy Spirit, we come this morning, we ask and we invite your transforming power Because, Lord, it is just as miraculous. And we believe in miracles here. It is just as miraculous for people to lay aside their differences, to have the healing and the hurt and the pain, to to throw arms around one another and embrace one another, and to say, I love you, brother or sister. I love you. To, to allow these things to be, to be constructively dealt with so that we can be together, we can be stronger together because this is what the devil wants to do. He wants us to be offended. He wants to divide us. He wants to have us to be bitter against one another and be unforgiving. He wants us to basically live in a prison. And so this morning, if this message is spoken to your heart and you sense the Holy Spirit is dealing with you just like you begin to deal with that Jewish lady. I want to encourage you this morning symbolically to take the key to the doors. It's time to turn the key. It's time to turn the key. And maybe this morning it means that someone moves from one section of the room to the other and they embrace someone today. But Heavenly Father, we just pray right now that you would give us the power to forgive. You will give us the mercy, the grace to forgive. None of us here are perfect. None of us here have arrived. We all have our strengths and weaknesses. We all fail. But that's the point. We all fail. So Lord, I pray you give us the love and the patience and the grace that we need to be able to let others go so that we too can be in freedom. Because Lord, today we don't we want to trade. <laughs> we want to trade our indebtedness for freedom. We want to trade our bitterness, God, for joy. We want to trade these things, and and, and it's an ongoing... Yes, we've traded our sorrows. Yes, we've traded our pain. Yes, we've laid them down for the joy of the Lord. But it's an ongoing work in our lives. So it's time to turn the key. Praise your name, Jesus. The altar's open.
And I just want to encourage you this morning, even if you don't come forward for a time of prayer, but even if you make it right in your seat, I just want you to, 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 to I can't make you do this. This is, for, this is definitely something that the Spirit needs to lead you to do. But I want to encourage you that if there's, this, there's a person, if there's a situation, if it, I don't care if it goes back five days or if it goes back 50 years, but you and the Lord know, and so does that person. Can we be the people that God intends us to be? Can we walk in grace? Grace, the grace of God that he's bestowed upon us, but also the grace that we can show to others. I just want to challenge us that, in that way this morning, that God give us the strength to be people of grace, that, we, that others won't see the gospel in action, the good news in action, that we are definitely people of the kingdom, and that we represent Christ, his love, his power to reconcile. How many would lift your hand this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed? Please, just for the, for the, um, just out of respect of. I just want this is. Uh, I just want this to be a moment where we just have a chance to be a little bit transparent. How many would say this morning that this message has the Holy Spirit through the message has spoken to you this morning? And, and I see some hands going up. Thank you. That's great. I see some hands. That's, that's fantastic. And so, Lord, for the hands that have gone up, we just pray that you'll give the strength that they need. You'll give them, you'll give them the strength, the power they need, Lord, to be able to do what you desire for them to do, and that is to walk in freedom, to let the debtor go, but also, Lord, give them the strength and the ability to lovingly go to the people and to work these things out, to practice what you've told us to do. And in so doing, Lord, we trust you that you're going to bring things tighter. You're going to bring relationships closer. And you're going to forge a strong, strong community here by your spirit. That we will definitely walk in the true fellowship that you desire for us to walk in. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Forgiven because you were, for, I am, yeah, that's right. I'm alive and well. Can we start that right from the top? I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted.
set us but you've also set us free from that eternal that prison of eternity in eternity you set us free from from hell yes you have lord you set us free from the consequences the eternal consequences and so lord may we walk in that freedom today as your children 
May we live it out. May we apply it in every area, especially this morning, our relationships one with another. And in so doing, Lord, we will be the people you've called us to be. We will be a light. We will be salt. We will be a message, a prophetic message to this community. Because, Lord, there's too many churches that proclaim the name of Jesus, but functionally they're not operating the way that they should in their relationships. Lord, may that not be the case with this church. May that not be the case with this church, Lord, that we would walk, we would exhibit, we would bear the fruit of the Spirit, amen, which is love. Hallelujah, love for our Lord, love for one another. And that, Lord, through that love, there will be joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yeah, when someone wants to rub you with the wrong way, that we will respond appropriately and not just react. So, Lord, we desire not just the gifts, but that we desire the fruit. And may the fruit of love, may the fruit of love, may we be famous for love. Your love, Lord, flowing through us and in us and out to others. May people sense love when they come in. May they realize that we're not looking at them in judgment, but that, God, we want to embrace them and love them so much that they ask why, and we love them into the kingdom. May this place be a place of love. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Um. We are going to have a time of birthday celebration. And um, let's see. I don't see Frank or Diane right handy. They may be in the kitchen. They may be in the kitchen. But uh, could, could we just have a showing of hands of all the people? Because according to what I'm seeing in the bulletin this morning, is uh, we are going to be celebrating it says join us for cake and coffee to celebrate the October birthdays the October birthdays in our so who here has had a birthday in October I know Vias had a birthday in October look we've got Sandy with a birthday in October Ed Ethan Jack's was close my wife had a birthday in October Logan you turned 16 sweet 16 16 candles yeah Sweet 16. So we're going to celebrate some birthdays with some cake and some coffee. Juice for the kids, coffee for the adults if they desire. So Lord, bless those that have had birthdays and bless our fellowship together. In Jesus' name, amen.